Anyways, welcome to the first episode of Ingest. Hi. Hi. How are you? We're really in this. Hi. I'm super good. I'm super quarantined and I'm super excited to be on this podcast with you. How are you doing? Um, a lot of the same. I've been drinking a little Franzia, you know. Mm, I'm on the mimosa wave myself. Yep, yep. So I like it. Feeling especially nice. I mean, that's one of the only hobbies you can, well, one of the few, like, quarantine hobbies, at least in my book, what's available. Oh, yeah. It's been big sims and big mimosas. Yeah, exactly. Hi, I'm Lydia. And I'm Georgia. And you're listening to... In Jest. Yeah, baby! <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping today we might get into a little bit of a quarantine vibe ourselves um, and chat a little bit about the public's response, the culture's response to the quarantine and how social media has been quite the, quite the feature, quite the staple of quarantine. It's how everyone's getting their necessary news and their very uh, unnecessary news as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, we definitely live in a social media era you know that blanket term that everybody loves but it's true and I feel like um quarantine has exacerbated that so yeah what have you seen on the timeline recently that is that has sent you sideways I mean actually what's really been getting me upset I well not even upset it's more like irritated it's something that I kind of expect at this point but it's still frustrating that we're still at this point but um the fact that Lizzo Lizzo's mm. name was on my timeline like every other day, and it's always now, huh? yeah for a minute now, and it's always a conversation, somebody stepping out and discussing any qualms or issues that they may have with her body or with how she's presenting her body or with something that she's done or a million and one other things. Yes, <laughs> right. There just seems to be this really unique and focused obsession with Lizzo Mm. and the way that she presents herself. All she's trying to do is live her life. I don't understand why people keep coming for her. I I think we've talked about this before a little bit. I can see where the argument would arise for, oh, she's doing too much or this, that, and the third uh, when she came to that um, basketball game with her, her butt cheeks cut out of her dress. I mean, I was here for it, but but I can see where the argument would arise for she's doing too much. However, however, I got a lot of love for Lizzo. I think everybody should let Lizzo live. Right. Let Lizzo live, please. I mean, for real. I like, mean, so offended. Right. And I feel like there's, like, something to be said for the fact that, you know, the argument a lot of people will make is, oh, well, she's in the limelight. She offers herself up for critique. Um, she knows what she's doing she wants the attention or whatever but I feel like for me it's less about this conversation of um you know why can't you let Lizzo live and more like why what is it about Lizzo that makes everybody so obsessive Mm. that her appearance or because you know it's not like she's some I mean Lizzo's stylish for sure but it's not like she's a fashion like 
trendsetter or something or like she's somebody whose clothing choices are of the utmost importance right like because i mean joe budden dresses horribly nobody says anything about that joe budden does a lot of stuff horribly and nobody says a lot about that right but that's a whole other conversation (laughs) (laughs) but i just feel like people hide behind this whole idea of like oh well it's morals and it's this and it's that and it's like no let's call a thing a thing like people are this obsessed because she's fat mm-hmm. and not only is she fat but she's a black woman and she's unapologetic about both of those identities and I don't even think like I feel like unapologetic insinuates that she's heading up some massive cause that she's 100% aware of I feel mm. like it's okay to say that she's straight up just a pop star living her life like if that makes sense like she I mean she does the same thing that Miley Cyrus does as a pop star right and people I mean people were upset with her for a number of reasons but being out there with all her skin out was not one of them (laughs) right and I feel like the issue more so was like oh she's sullying her own image like her own image of purity because she was a Disney star and all this shit Whereas, like, the conversation with Lizzo... I didn't know that. Wait, she... Oh, oh, Miley. Yeah, Miley Cyrus, yeah. <laughs> I, where I was going to say... Like, Lizzo's on Disney? Disney? Imagine. Where? <laughs> Whereas I feel like the conversation me? with Lizzo, it more, like, demonizes Lizzo. Like, how right. dare she put all this ass on the timeline? Like, the kids! <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs to see this! Like, bro, the same thing... And that is exactly what I've been hearing. They've got fat moms. They've got... Ex- tough. Like, <laughs> how many fat women are in their lives because there are fat people everywhere. Like, this is America. Like, right. fat people exist. They're here. We love them. We know them. Like, they are human beings. So it's like to somehow create like this like willful erasure, it seems, where it's just like, we're just going to act like fat women can't be sexual or fat women's sensuality is somehow how threatening it's somehow something they should be putting away or like hiding away also like i'm gonna call another thing a thing people ashley graham was on the front of sports illustrated i think people are coming very much to terms with that popular culture idea of the big ass and like all of the the voluptuous lady features but because lizzo is a brown-skinned fat woman Mm -hmm. plus-size woman for some reason, that's like, ooh. And that's the thing I've been hearing a lot. We don't need to see that. We don't need to see all that. Like, why do we need to? That's That has been the comment that I've heard the most. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily here nor there, just right. we need to see that. Like, what's like the justification, like, right? Yeah, like it needs funny. Some, it I've heard this some kind of like political or artistic purpose behind it. It can't just be her on Instagram or whatever throwing her butt around it has to be like some kind of grand political act or like statement that she's making whereas Ashley Graham bless her she does her thing mm-hmm. can can be on Sports Illustrated be sexier than all sexiness she's fine but like that's for some reason not as graphic or uh distasteful or shameful in any she's a she's a she's a a model for that and yes they are not there are definitely levels like in the same way that there is colorism there is definitely levels to the plus size um industry and and uh there's definitely a lot of politics in that like people who are not as plus size as other people definitely get a lot of heat 
and um, which I just want to interject really quick I feel like even the fact that you have to like step into the fashion realm and like discuss like the plus size industry when talking about Lilo uh, sorry Lizzo (laughs) is a musical artist it goes to show how little representation or how few people there are in the music industry that are like Lizzo and it's almost as though like everybody is treating her as though she's this brand new beast when pop stars and female hip-hop stars alike have been having their ass out like nobody complains when it's Meg Thee Stallion whose literal whose literal trademark is a bodysuit mm-hmm. like nobody says anything with that like <laughs> if I want to show my ass let me show my ass but that's the thing like this this I feel like this um I feel like this social media focus over the last few weeks has really let social media show its ass, like, or at least let people on social media show their ass. Like that, that couple who on TikTok just got, um, there's a couple at a college, I think they're in Florida or something. And uh, they just got their graduation pulled. They can't graduate. Yes. I'm not I sure if they can't graduate or can't walk for graduation, whatever it is. Um, because like they have this like black Twitter like got them exposed. Yeah, well, this wild racist TikTok that they made, and they were the, the girl came out talking about um, on her Instagram with an apology, like I let him his racism like infect me and like it's some disease or something you could catch. Right. And she goes, I I just I just don't want you to let this like one moment ruin my whole life. Like that TikTok right. was a whole like two minutes long and it was all like cut and edited. Like y'all had to spend such a concerted amount of effort and time on that video. Y'all had so many opportunities to like, like rewatch it and like one of her justifications, like people were posting screenshots from her Instagram on Twitter. But like one of her explanations is like, oh, my boyfriend told me that he was gonna delete it. Like he he wasn't gonna share it. We were just gonna make it. Like, so y'all were gonna just make a racist TikTok to like hee hee ha ha in the bed together at like y'all thought that was so funny. Pillow talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I've seen like that's not the only uh they're not the only ones that I've seen that have gotten outed on Twitter and blasted for uh racist TikToks. I saw this um I believe it was this young Asian girl and this young white kid. They both made like separate videos, but it's in the same like trend where it's uh, um I don't even know how to explain it. It's like they say something like, Oh, here's a fried chicken recipe, and then the next cut is like, Oh, now that all the black people are here, like, how's my form? And then they edited themselves like picking cotton in like a cotton field or something like that. And uh, both of them That's got black. It's not even funny. Like, oh, it was, it's not. And I'm waiting for the was, joke in any of these. Like, y'all are just throwing around, like. Right. But this is kind of what I wanted funny. to touch on. Because I feel like, I mean, because as soon as shit hits the fan, they talk about, oh, how they knew it wasn't funny and they knew it was wrong. But for some reason, they posted it. Like, some, like, mm. racist ghost possessed them. And, like, uh, the girl, <laughs> like, she's forced to, like, apologize on video with her father there. Like, I did not raise you like this. Like, you need to apologize. Whatever. No. But I feel like there's obviously this cognitive awareness that, first off, the joke isn't that funny. And second of all, that it's extremely offensive. Any humor that somebody would find in it would be in its offensiveness. Right. And I feel like what's really interesting, though, is that that same girl, this young Asian girl, her TikTok following has skyrocketed since then since she's been exposed um this other girl on tiktok who i personally liked her videos and uh some old videos came out of her saying the n-word repeatedly 
and she has TikToks where she talks about other people saying the N-word and she's like, this is why you shouldn't do it, blah, 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 blah. And um, all her recent, her most recent videos though, like they're all consistently in the millions in terms of views. And I feel like what's important to like note almost in these situations is like, okay, there may be some motivation in regards to humor, but I feel like a lot of the hu- the motivation is within virality. And there's this like theme that comes with stoking the anger of black people or any kind of sane minded people that would get upset at that. Right. right. Where it's, it's like, like you, find hey. your, you find your people in the exile. Right. Exactly. And even beyond that. Yeah, no, exactly. And people will follow you on the sheer basis of, Oh, she said something racist or like, it's very like, or like, Oh, I, she said it. She like, said it out loud. Like right. she said it so other people could hear them. Like she's bold. I like her. Right. I mean, we're in a <laughs> Trump. We're in the Trump era. This is an era where, like, saying something that isn't PC or acting in a way that's against what people believe to be the progressive norm is being real or being truthful. Uh, that it's something like raw and like understandable. Which I mean, I don't well, know. Well, you've seen and you've seen how they how they turned out at these protests about the um about the about the quarantine and about not being able to go to the playground and get a haircut. And it's like, wow, if if privilege was ever on show, it it couldn't be more on show now. What with people actually know that they are like in public and then also social media throwing it across the world. Like that woman who got arrested at the playground for taking her kids to the playground. They were like, I just I just want to be at the playground with my kids. Like you have consumed whatever information you've consumed from whatever source you consumed it from, what you came away with was I can't go to the park right. I need to be able to go to the park that was the most salient information that left whatever news you consumed and I don't know if that says more about the news or more about Americans or more about just people in general I'm not sure people are tweaking and I'm not sure what is to come of it I mean I think it's just like I think it's exactly what you said like this whole pandemic this whole situation has kind of lifted the smoke screen it's one that wasn't there for a lot of people but I think for people who are privileged enough to be able to not see it to be able to like look away like these are injustices and this is a level of widespread apathy that has been occurring within this country for a very long time people mm-hmm. don't care about their peers most people mm-hmm. don't care about their fellow Americans. I mean, there are a lot of people who consider themselves to be caring or kind individuals, but when it comes down and it boils down to the matter of can you maneuver in a way that has the collective well-being in mind? I think for most people, it's a no. We live in a very individualistic country, which a lot of our economy is based on the hyper-individualism that is perpetuated through everything that I think Americans do. That feeling of it's me, myself, and I. There's only enough for me. Like, it's. You know what's crazy, bro? I don't think it takes genuine care for your fellow Americans to stay inside under a quarantine order. It just takes a little bit of common sense. And I think that is so deeply and shamefully lacking in this country and in a lot of countries. I mean, I I definitely don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I was going to say, I feel like that common sense that you're talking about is oftentimes an awareness of the necessity for collective thought. Like, I think 
I like I was reading a tweet that was talking about how like oh it's so ironic that um you know the Republicans are so anti-socialism but as soon as shit hits the fan those are the practices we end up needing to deploy socialist tactics like stimulus checks that's socialism Mm -hmm. um unemployment checks but that's why they're upset that's why they're upset they don't want it they said i want to go to work i don't want to hand out and it's like that's cute but that's not how any of this works that's a lie i want to i want to say it's a lie bro but there's people out there that there's people out there dead ass saying there are things worse than dying the governor of, what was it, Texas said there are things worse than, the lieutenant governor of Texas said there are things worse than dying. And of so course, like, we need to reopen the country. Like Engaging in that narrative of, oh, I would rather go to work than accept the handout. They don't have hungry kids. They're not thinking about what they're going to feed their family next. Because if they were, it's not a handout, it's a lifeline. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, out of like your pride or whatever, or, like your desire to be a a, pr- a producer for the state <laughs> you're not gonna say that oh i desire that so much that i would rather my family starve the people that need this money i don't think they're engaging in that narrative and that's an important thing to know is that the people who are making mm-hmm. this who are making this trivial who are acting as though this is not serious are people that are coming from privileged backgrounds are coming from the ability to look at this illness and not take it seriously to look at this pandemic and not take it seriously and I was also going to say, like, um, what you were saying, how you feel like it's not collective thought, it's just common sense. I think, like I was saying before, common sense is understanding that sometimes you have to think collectively. If you don't care about your fellow Americans, that means you don't care about your doctor. You don't care about the person that picks up your trash every day. You don't care about the nurse that takes your weight and your height and your blood when you do go to the hospital. You don't care about the person that's going to, like, from the highest to the lowest Uh, like you know and like lowest in terms of like how they're valued within our economy but you don't care about who's going to be delivering your food you don't care about who's going to be driving your uber who's going to be selling you your car who's going to be cleaning your car like there are people at every step of existence so to act as though collective thought or moving within a moving with collective interest isn't necessary for your own well-being is delusional that's a lack Mm. of common sense collective Mm. thought is common sense or thinking in terms of the benefit of the collective is common sense. Cause that's how the most mm. people survive and have the best quality of life that there can be is if everyone's working together. Word. I think there's a lot of, as much as yes, most of the people that are engaging in the, this anti-government um, both handout and uh, kind of imposed quarantine and imposed power I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of poor whites out there who don't have a lot of bread, who are very much enchanted by and um, are subscribed to this narrative, whether or not it serves their interests. I don't think a lot of people in this country, maybe that's not the right word. I think there are some people in this country, I think there's a good fraction of people in this country who do not move both socially, economically, um, with their best interests at heart, whether whatever those interests may be. Obviously that's subjective. Um, but I guess there's just a lot of there's a lot of people out there who don't have the funds and yet so it's like the poor white people who vote for Trump, nothing he does does anything for them. However, they are the most loyal. Mm. There are people out there who, poor white people use the most 
um, welfare and the most government assistance, despite being the demographic that is um, can be most staunchly opposed to it. Which so, I mean, I say to that, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance out there. <laughs> no, whether I'm, or not they whether or not they want it, they 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 need it, or whether or not they say that they want it and need it, they they need it. And I think that's the important thing to note. I feel like the perception of things versus the reality of it, which I mean, even reality mm-hmm. is subjective, but mm-hmm. the perception that, you know, there are these poor white people that are voting for Trump and believe that Trump has their interests in line. It's, it's a, like you said, it's a cognitive dissonance. And I think it's also, at the end of the day, it's like they may say something about the stimulus check, but when they're alone and when they're in private, they don't take it. <laughs> they're going to deposit it, Yeah. What people say on social media and what they do in real life are very different. And I was even going to say, like, you know, what you were saying about uh, this woman that took her kid to the park. I mean, she just got caught. I think that's something important to note here. I mean, I wasn't the only one there, but she was the only one that got arrested. Right. I know people that have gone out for what would be considered unnecessary things. I myself have gone out for what would be considered an unnecessary thing. And, you know, you do the things that you can to minimize risk. You put on your gloves, you wash your hands, you wear your mask. But at the end of the day, I'm still going out to get some wine. Mm-hmm. It's just nobody Alcohol called Alcohol is an essential me. business, baby. Alcohol is definitely an essential business. Don't get that twisted. <laughs> do not get that I twisted. I mean, of course. And for her in that moment, that's how she could so adamantly stand there and say, I just wanted mm-hmm. to take my kid to the park. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's so easy to look at this person and be like, what an idiot. How can you not think of it big picture? But I feel like there are very few people that are completely editing their lives around this. And then there's also the neglect of what about these people that can't? She went down like a freedom fighter, though. She was like, arrest me. Film it. (laughs) She was like, take me in. She put her she put her wrist together. She was so pretty. She's like never been arrested before in her life. Like, you getting this on film? You got this? Yeah, take me in. Arrest me. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead, Rosa. (laughs) Like a (laughs) martyr. I don't know. I mean, even having this conversation is it's exhausting. It's like a bored of quarantine and bored of talking about quarantine. But I think it's going to be this way for a while. I mean, what's your what's your quarantine prediction? How long do you think this is going to go on? I think I think we're going to be on soft lockdown for another at least six months. Mm. I agree. At least at least six months. Like that's minimal, and that's like lockdown. Like things are still very much closed. Very much restricted, yeah. Very I'm much restricted. Thinking something very, very similar. I was, I mean, my school was discussing um, plans for next semester because the idea that we'll be back on campus in August is kind of ridiculous at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm jacking probably January, February before things actually start to be back in motion in a consistent way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how's your school handling this? corona quarantine situation i know you're still on campus how's that going i mean it's been it's interesting it's difficult because there are a lot of issues that i take with how the school has maneuvered this whole pandemic but at the same time um i i go to state school i know there are a lot of restrictions in terms of how the school is able to move like independently because 
they have to wait for SUNY sanctions and what the whole SUNY administration tells them. And I understand that this is unprecedented. We've never been in a pandemic like this before, at least not in terms of like our more contemporary world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the same time where it's like students are demanding like, hey, we want a universal pass for all students. Like it's unfair to expect anything from us. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you have the administration, and the faculty members who have to figure this work out, who are having those meetings, who are trying to decide what the hell are we going to do with these students? Who gets to stay on campus? Who has to leave? How are we going to refund people? How are we going to make sure people still get paid? Um, yeah. It's frustrating, I think. I like I can understand how the school's struggling, but at the same time, I'm like, if there was room for human compassion in this process, it would not be complex at all. Yeah. But the way that our economy is set up, money comes first. So that's always going to take lead in the conversation about how do we manage this crisis and I think that's been America's downfall overall actually is massive focus on money and who's going to pay for that and what's this going to cost and that's because that's the system we've been running on forever but now it's like Mm -hmm. okay not just the poor blacks are like going to die from this or the poor brown people (laughs) are going to die from this like our favorite actors and actresses and like our Mm -hmm. favorite political leaders or whatever our favorite companies can't produce like oh my god mm-hmm. yeah my school seems to be you would think they would be on the opposite end given that it's a private school but I right. got an email yesterday that was essentially like we're projecting 300 million in losses and that's really sad for us and it was just this entirely long email about how little money Hopkins has and how much less money they're going to have next year and it just (laughs) it was such a I'm so glad I'm leaving this place it was such a bizarre experience to read that email um we I don't know if I told you this we have a universe I don't know what you're and what they decided for you guys but we essentially got a they were going to do a optional pass fail that's what my school um, yeah they were going to do an optional um, pass-fail grading system. And then a ton of people complained. They said that that would be uh, further stratifying to people who are in different situations during the pandemic. Some people don't have consistent access to internet and laptops uh, where they're at. Some people have sick family that they're dealing with or they're sick themselves. Which um, and so I at my school have been trying to advocate for universal pass, but the school has not been budging. We, we honestly, there were other people trying to advocate for A slash A minus. Everyone either gets an A or an A minus, depending on, <laughs> right. depending on Which what you That would have been, they, that would have been the way. Be universal grade or everybody needs to be given mm-hmm. the same pass or fail. Right. So or they ended up implementing, yeah, they ended up implementing a universal pass fail for us. Um, but people are still upset about that. And I'm, I'm kind of, I, I get it. Like, I, I understand. I only technically have, due to freshman covered grades, my year abroad, and this semester of pass-fail, I only have three semesters worth of college grades. Right. So that's, like, not a lot, considering I've been in college for four years. Right. <laughs> and I only have three semesters worth of grades to show for it, which is cool. I'm not mad at it, because I did my best sophomore year. That was my best year. So I'm not mad at it. Shout out to that 3.4. Yeah. Right. Get at me. <laughs> but other than that, 
I can see why I can see why people are uh, incredibly frustrated with that. But I can also see that the universities, again, are in the tough spot. Um, the ones that are actually struggling for funds more than more than most. <laughs> right. I'm thankful that we're blessed and able enough to be able to hop on this podcast really quick and to have a little chat and break stuff down. Yeah, dude. I always love breaking it down and chopping it up with you. <laughs> Only you, brother. Only you. <laughs> Same. Well, I think this is a good place for us to wrap up. We hit this again next week. Same next time, same place. It's a date. Same, same place. We'll be back to ingest some more. Mm, well, shit. I know you ain't going anywhere, so I know where to find you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, brother. I love you, too. See y'all next week. Bye. Peace.